There is only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. This is, of course, Bojo's Pizza. Bojo's right now is offering 30% off takeout when you ask for it. If you do happen to hit up Bojo's, make sure you tag them, tag us with your delicious order. Tough times for everybody. We got to do what we can to support Bojo's in their six Colorado locations. Again, 30% off takeout when you ask for it. What a steal. If you can't hit them up, Use DoorDash. They'll deliver right to your door. So convenient. Right in the name. Bojo's Pizza. <laughs> ah, welcome to the DNVR College Pod, guys. I am Justin Michael. I'm with Henry Chisholm. Did I, did I pronounce that right? I'm yeah. not even 100% sure how to pronounce your last name. I always just kind of like freeballed it. Yeah, no, that was great. I, I just realized I'm not sure if I'd ever heard you say my name. And so then when I realized you were going to have to say it, I was wondering if you were going to get it right. And you did. Henry Chisholm. Just like smooth. There you go. Nice and simple. I I do know how to read. I mean, so like (laughs) I I do trust myself, but it's it's a tough world out there. I've been in quarantine a long time, so maybe my reading skills are deteriorating. I don't even know how long I've been here. Like, I guess you were on my computer when I was trying to figure it out. But it's been probably two weeks that's been basically like this. I was supposed to be at the Rockies game today. I had opening day tickets. That's too bad. <sighs> RIP, uh, man. RIP to opening day. It's supposed to be one of like one of the more fun days of the year, I'd say, for Denver and Colorado yeah. in general. That's what people always said. That's why I decided I was going to go. And right now, we're supposed to be in the sixth inning. But uh, instead, there's no baseball or fun. And even worse, it is almost 5 p.m., and Henry and I are completely sober. We have not had a single beer today. It was supposed to be opening day. It's 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. I could operate heavy machinery right now. Ugh. I still probably couldn't, but they <laughs> still probably think they, they could let me. I don't know. It's just so disappointing because it's, it's, this is one of those days that you just think about all winter. We're just like, okay, you know what? The weather's not great. There isn't a whole lot to do. We're kind of trapped inside. Little did we know, but... Uh, this is kind of the day that you look forward to. And it's like, okay, two o'clock, we get to go to the baseball game before that, hit a Blake Street Tavern, have a couple beers. Or the uh, DNVR bar. Yep, probably would have stopped there first. Actually, first we would have pounded something here. Then we would have pounded a whole bunch of alcohol at the DNVR bar. Then we would have gotten some food, some drunk munchies, and more beer at Blake Street Tavern. And then walked across the street, gone to the Rockies game, get some of those pre-first pitch $3 beers, it was supposed to be like the first day of summer, and instead, I'm trapped inside. I couldn't tell you if it's warm out or not right now. Weather doesn't matter anymore. Weather is just, you know, no. weather is what's happening outside of my apartment, and because I don't leave my apartment, it's irrelevant to my life now. It snowed the other day. I didn't even realize until, like, hours in. I believe it. Oh. I do like when it's kind of sunny inside. I don't know. But like today, Amazon Prime, getting my del- groceries delivered between 10 and midnight. And then I realized I've got some... Ah, the mic's going in and out again. I can't Is hear it? Yeah. Oh, what about now? Can you hear me now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll go with it. Want to talk about football? Let's talk about football. That is what this podcast is supposed to be about. I didn't really do a good job of explaining what this podcast is. We just no. kind of jumped into it. But that's kind of just like me and you. We're hanging out. That's what this podcast is going to be. 
It's going to give us a chance to, to talk about college football as a whole. Obviously, we're going to focus on things locally as well. But, you know, I'm, I'm lonely in Fort Collins. I just wanted to hang out with my buddy Hank. And so we decided, screw it. We're starting a new pod. Yeah. We've been talking for a while. I didn't even realize. Oh, dude, we've been talking for like a couple hours. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we were going to do this so early. Wow, the day has disappeared, but we get to talk football now, and that's what I'm excited about. Um, what do you want to talk about first? You know, I think let's let's the discussion has come up on whether student-athletes should be able to transfer without penalty. So basically, you know, you would have the ability to go as you please, not have to sit out. People are, they feel pretty passionately about this. You know, I, I'm, I, I go back and forth, to be honest, because the morality side of it, it's like when you know that the NCAA is raking in billions, it's hard for me to argue that these student athletes shouldn't be able to, you know, decide, hey, I'd rather go somewhere else, just like you would have been able to leave Montana or just like I would have been able to, you know, leave CSU. But also at the same time, like, if this just becomes like free agency or our teams, you know, losing everybody after a one season, I don't know. Is that, do we lose college football as we know, or is that just being dramatic? Yeah. There's, there's just so many factors that goes into something like that. Um, and we talked about this a little bit on the podcast, the buffs podcast a few days ago um, when this news first broke. Um, and since then I've had even more time to think about it. And again, this is, one battle in this massive push that we're seeing in terms of student athletes rights. Um, and this is another one that's, that it is going to happen eventually. The question is For whether sure. it happens before this fall, uh, whether it happens before this fall, but they don't allow the rule to be implemented before next season, or who knows, maybe this is something that takes four more years, five more years. And <laughs> there are a lot of changes that'll be made with that, you know, name image likeness being a big example Eventually, I do think we're going to get to the point where um, colleges can a- offer student athletes money to play. Um, but again, that could be ten years down the road. That could be twenty years down the road. And I think that I think that what's more interesting than whether this will happen is just how long it takes and and how hard people are willing to push back because so much of this is going to be political you know you can't move on to the next issue um, in regards to kind of the student athletes versus the NCAA battle um, until you get this one done and so does the NCAA try to prolong it and say hey we have this committee we're going to make it happen but it's going to take two years and then that's when we start picking up with the other stuff um whether things kind of get ugly here as they have tended to in the past with the NCAA, um, them saying that they don't like this and that protecting amateurism is um, one of the main priorities. It's what makes college sports great or whether they shift that tone a little bit and say, you know what? We do think that we want to help out these student athletes. We're still, I think we're kind of coming over this turning point now where this is a battle that's going to happen. um, And what are the terms going to be like are, is everybody going to try to get along or is this going to just be ugly? Like so many NCAA situations are. Well, that's the big, that's the interesting thing to me is, like you said, there's, there's the historical precedence with the NCAA. They fight everything. It seems like the last couple of years, maybe they're starting to realize some of these things are not worth taking the PR hit over. Yeah. But when there's this much money at stake, 
and when they're currently, you know, they don't have any incentive to change at the moment until, until they really get their hand forced. I don't know. Like I, like I just, I think it'll be a situation where they fight it. It goes out a couple of years. I do ultimately think that eventually, like you said, we will get there, but they just, they don't have the reputation of ever, you know, doing what's considered more or less right to the public. Yeah. I mean, and it's because they have all of the power. Exactly. And, like the, they can just hold on and keep it like a dictatorship. It doesn't matter if everybody hates them because there's nothing anybody can do about it. Even, even if some athletic directors got fed up and half of the NCAA decided that it was going to start its own new thing, the NCAA still would have equal power. You know, you would need so many people to be so upset and that would just never happen because of the way the whole thing's structured because the athletic directors do get some say in how it all works. It's, it's just frustrating. Well, and one thing that I'd like to, or I think we should consider a little bit is how much do people actually care about this issue? It's one thing, you know, all the talking heads in college football, everybody on ESPN today, you know, they're going to be like, the athletes should actually, they should be paid. They should be able to transfer. Except That's pretty much going to be, except Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be, you know, the general consensus. And even I think most average modern college football fans, they lean towards the, you know, these players aren't getting compensated enough. Generally, you know, we just side with the players. But do people actually care enough to fight and spark change? Because if it came down to, like you said, you know, like a league being like, well, we're going to start our own league. Like, do people really like at the end of the day, they just want to watch college football. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that this is as pressing to, you know, most college football fans as it would seem with how much this comes up in, in the conversations. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And, you know, again, I think that <laughs> there is pretty widespread support at this point. I think that if it were just like a, a vote and everybody had a say in how the NCAA made their decision, student athletes would be allowed to do this. But I think that if, if athletic directors support this, they still might say no because they know that as soon as this is over, I think what, what comes up next is unionization. I think that there's a good chance that as soon as you get over this hurdle and the name image likeness thing clears, then the next big push for student athletes is getting a union and having some representation, taking just a little bit of the power back from the NCAA. Um, and that's a battle that I think that a lot of people involved with the NCAA, even if they want to let kids transfer, they just want to prolong um, the start of that. And they so definitely don't want going. people to unionize. Like if you go back to, I think it was Kane Coulter, the Northwestern quarterback oh. that started that lawsuit, actually uh, played at Cherry Creek High School from Colorado. Oh, I didn't but, know that. Yeah, I saw him play in the state semifinal versus Columbine. Hmm. Would have been like 2010, 2011. Fun stuff. I've been around for a long time. But um, <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll just be interesting. But I'm curious about your perspective as somebody that covers a power five school, but not necessarily, you know, like the law, you're not, it's CU is in Alabama. It's not Georgia. I think that's fair to say. I don't think I'm hurting anybody's feelings at that point. Yep. If you're, if you're a school like CU, do you worry if people can transfer without penalty, they can transfer immediately. You have a, a guy like LaVisca Chenault after his freshman year. Are you worried that in this type of scenario, he's like, well, 
I'm just going to, you know, bolt for Ohio State now or something like that. Is that something that you worry about? Or is it going to even out because at the same time, like people are going to drop down from the bigger schools when they don't get their ways too? Yeah. Um, There's just so many moving pieces that I, I think the my best take my my biggest take regarding all of this is that it you just don't know until you actually see it you don't know whether good players who are the stars of their school would be more inclined to transfer um, than the players who want to be stars at smaller schools and get those opportunities or whether it's reversed and whether Colorado really could benefit from you know if, if Antonio Alfano, for example, if he knew for a fact that he was getting his waiver and wouldn't have to sit out a year, that might, I mean, he obviously was willing to transfer anyway, but maybe the guy next to him in that defensive line room, that's what makes that decision for him is that he now has that factor in play. He knows he can play. So we just really don't know. I think that uh, it is concerning though. Um, I think that it isn't just about fans and keeping things interesting, um, making sure every game is competitive and you don't know what's going to happen in college football. I think that it's important to remember that if things did go badly, then that's a lot of money that these programs would be losing. If interest in college football actually does fall because the product is changing this much, and then all of a sudden that trickles down and that hurts the student-athletes as well. So even though student-athletes could transfer, they gain those rights, they might not, there might not be as many schools that are giving out six pairs of cleats. You know, it might be three pairs of cleats. Maybe they're cutting the chefs. Maybe whatever facilities aren't the same. Obviously, you can't hit them directly in the pocketbook, but it they would see those effects. I just, you know, like I said, I, as a human, I I tend to always side with student athletes, whatever is, you know, in their best interest. But as a guy that is a fan of G5 football, let alone Pac-12 football, but G5 football, you know, it's concerning to me. Just the gap between the have and the have nots right now is so significant that this change I don't know. Is like, is is that the final straw at that point? Like, if you're a G five schools, like, do you just try and create something else altogether? I know that's not what no, we're really going down a rabbit hole now. This isn't even <laughs> where this conversation was supposed to go. But I don't know. Like, it, it worries me a little bit, especially as someone like CSU. Like, you have a guy like Michael Gallup a couple of years ago. Like, he goes off his junior year. Is if he can transfer without penalty? Is all of a sudden is you know Texas or Texas Tech comes calling? I don't know. Maybe he has that right. Maybe that's just something college fans would have to get used to. And it's just because we we've been used to it a certain way, Mm -hmm. but like there's just so many different angles to consider in this. Yeah. And, and I think that that's kind of a theme is that it's always kind of the student athletes that are on the wrong end of all these. Like you talk about what could happen. It could, I mean, ruin college football is a strong take, but it's it could dramatic, make yeah. college football a little bit less interesting. Um, if this happened, you, you might see those effects I was talking about, but on the other side, if you don't change anything, then all of a sudden these student athletes feel like they're trapped. They can't change schools. It's specifically the student athletes in the sports that generate money. I mean, it's the five sports, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, I think baseball and men's ice hockey. Um, like those are, those are the five biggest revenue generating sports. And those are the five sports where you're not allowed to play immediately after you transfer. 
every other sport that you that you could play like if you're on a, whatever a curling team or a, a softball team a soccer team like you you are free to transfer and play immediately and the reason for that they don't say it's because of the competitive balance you know i i think did i tell you maybe i said this on the podcast um but but i uh was writing a story for the student newspaper at Montana about a year ago. And I reached out to a PR person from the NCAA and said, so what is the thinking behind this? And she said uh, that those are the historically academically underachieving sports. So it's because it just happens to be the five sports that bring in the most revenue. Those five sports are also the ones that have the toughest time transitioning from one school to the other and you need to support them academically. And that's just so obviously not the reason that they're making these decisions. I was going to say that's actually a really good answer because you can't argue it with the NCAA because you're like, it makes it look like, no, Mm -hmm. we're shielding them. We care about them. But when actuality it's, well, we have millions of dollars in revenue to protect and we want people to be interested in these teams. Yeah. But but the, the counter could be, Maybe maybe it doesn't dip interest. Look at NBA and free agency. Like you, so many talking heads, when people started moving, LeBron especially goes down to Miami. This is going to be the death of basketball. This is nobody's going to be interested. Everybody's moving around. Now people love it. The NFL is the same way. Like people are interested. So mm-hmm. maybe it generates more interest. I just it gets more complicated with the money side in college sports, oh, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, and well, this in particular, you know, I mean. Go, going back to the to the academic year in residence that those five sports have to take, you know, you're saying that a transfer has to has to take that year off. Meanwhile, Sean Clayton, the running back from Louisiana, will be moving. Oh. Meanwhile, a Sean Clayton, uh, the running back from New Orleans, is going to be coming up to Boulder this summer. I mean, assuming everything gets back to normal, and he's going to be playing football games, decent chance he's starting football games as he's beginning his college career. A transfer who's already been through college at least has to sit out, but a true freshman is able to just play like it's nothing. Like the rule is just kind of like, it's it's frustrating that they talk around it, I think. And if, if you want to say this is one where the student athletes have to take the hit and that's that's why we've built this whole thing. That's why the NCA brings in this much money. That's why they get to have their meals paid for and they get to stay at nice hotels. And it's why they fly instead of riding buses. Then just come out and say it. Don't say it's because of these other reasons. Um, but again, it's just always the student athletes on the wrong end. You know, when, when you're comparing the, the pros and cons, like the con is, you know, if, if you pay student athletes, you open up the name image likeness, for example, well, all the Alabama boosters, all the USC boosters, they'll be able to just say, hey, come be in this commercial for this car dealership I own. Here's $3 million for it. And who knows what actually happens, but that's like the con of letting that happen. On the other side, um, the con is, well, these student athletes are worth millions of dollars and they see none of that money. And you have to pick a side. And every time it's the NCAA getting its way over and over and over. And I think there's just going to be this shift back to this balance. Um, and that's the but way that, it should like, be. It, you kind of come back... With the NCA, like you're saying, getting it over and over and over again, to me, that just comes back to the to the point that while people like you and me, like Kirk Herbstreet, might go on TV and be like, this needs to change, at the end of the day, 
like till there's not, a riot, until there's a boycott. Yeah, it, like yeah. what's what's going to force them to change? We're all still watching college football. Mm-hmm. They're still raking in millions of dollars. Yeah. And, you know, I think that this is just like a basic, like you can play for the school that you want. And so it'd be interesting to go through the numbers and see how many of the, the student athletes who transfer go on to professional careers and how many are just transferring because they want to go to a better school and they know that they can get in. Whatever. There's so many things going on. Uh, Blake Stenstrom, the Buffs backup quarterback, he's transferring he's in the transfer portal and he is an aeronautical engineering major and he wants to go to uh, a school with an emphasis on that you know he had interest from all the ivy league schools i think that for him you know maybe he could have an nfl future if things break right odds are he's going to go be an engineer do we need to make him sit out because he wants to go to harvard Nah, i don't know point it's a good point it's controversial, man. It's 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 really divisive. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but this is not the only controversial NCAA topic that we are going to talk about in this first segment. I also wanted to bring up Reggie Bush, which suddenly is relevant again because, well, we don't have live sports and everybody's re-airing old games. ESPN decided to re-air the classic 2006 Rose Bowl. Some say the greatest college football game of all time. Definitely one of the better games of my lifetime, but it it brought up the discussion because a couple of different people, including Matt Liner, tweeted that the NCAA should give Reggie Bush his Heisman back. And if you are not familiar with the backstory on that, Reggie was stripped of his Heisman back in 2010, the first player to ever be stripped of it, and it, it had to do with him accepting impermissible benefits, cash, stuff like that. I think there was something about a car... But it's one of these situations where, you know, yes, we know that technically USC cheated. Technically, Reggie Bush did something he wasn't supposed to do. But does that take away from what he accomplished on the field? And what do we really gain out of making him a scapegoat knowing that this, you know, it's still happening 10 years later. Players are still being paid. Nothing has changed. I guarantee you somebody has won a Heisman since that also was paid. Where do you stand on this? I say give him his trophy back. Uh, it's, it's so tough. Because at the same time, if, if you say, uh, actually, we're not enforcing these rules. Like, I, and, and the thing that makes it so tough in the Reggie Bush case is that he did all of these things while in college. And then the, the story came out about all of this afterward. And yes. so, the, so he Five was years later. So he was no longer under NCAA jurisdiction. They can't suspend him from the NFL. They can't do any of those sorts of things. All they can do is say, hey, there's this clause in the Heisman um, trophy thing that says if, if we take it back, you have to give it back. It's technically our property, whatever, however that works so they can take it back. And it's just, uh, it, it was the only thing they could do. Um, they could have like banned him from NCAA events and they did some of that, but it's, uh, I don't know. At the same time, if, if they if they don't, take that away from him, then they're saying, if you can get all the way through free, then you're just good to go. And I think that that's probably where you have to go. I think taking away the Heisman Trophy, it's stupid. He, you, you, he played the games. He was the best player in college football. That all just didn't not happen because he, I mean, if you want to say he cheated, USC cheated, whatever. They broke the rules, but they got away with it. And that's the weird thing to me, though, is why are you punishing this one individual? Now, like, 
he did it. I'm not saying like he did it. He he was in the wrong. Mm-hmm. But why do you not go after the institution more than the individual one? And I just I don't see what this accomplishes retroactively. Like maybe if it was 2006, like right after, and like it came out right then, like it's relevant. Like all right, we gotta do it, and maybe you you disincentivize people. But Reggie still went to the league. He still was the number two draft pick in the NFL. Yep. And, like, and even if that story had come out, even if all the NFL teams knew that he was taking money, he's still the number two pick. It's not like anybody cares. It's not like what he did was that bad. You know, it's, it's not like it was like a, oh, he's, he's on drugs or he stole something. Like, it, it was nothing concerning. It was he took money because he was worth money. It just, it feels a lot like a police officer ticketing somebody for jaywalking. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I broke the law. Technically. Is it worth $70 though? Yeah. Eh. Is it going to stop me from jaywalking in the future? Nope. Is it going <laughs> to stop other people from jaywalking? Definitely not. Yeah. So why? What's the point? Yeah. That's, that's I, just kind of how I feel about it. But I agree about you, you should be punishing the institution. And if he's still in school, then you can suspend him because that's the way it should work. But, but more than anything, you go to USC and said, you guys need to be taking care of this stuff because that's the way the whole system's supposed to work is you have your compliance office and your compliance office is in there, like making sure you're following the rules. You know, the story came out last week. Who was it? Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think wanted to start a, a fund, a GoFundMe, yeah. Go yeah, whatever to, uh, to help people with coronavirus and then his school cracked down on it because they said this is against NCA policy we'll get in trouble if you do this and so then there's the whole thing that comes up where it's is is the NCAA going too far stopping this and it's like well they didn't actually stop it it was the school that stopped it and so then there's that reverse spin on everything mm-hmm. and and like it's a good system police yourself and if you don't then we'll come in with tougher penalties but I think that that means that you crack down on that compliance system, crack down and say, you guys lose these scholarships, you guys lose whatever. And don't, don't go after the Heisman trophy. Like that's, that's you tarnishing your own trophy is what it feels like. It's like when the MLB commissioner said, Oh, it's just a piece of metal about the world series. It's just (laughs) dumb. Oh, just a piece of metal. That, that whole situation, the whole Astros talk about like, constantly digging yourself in a grave and making the situation worse every single time you comment on it because they were constantly thinking all the reporting was done like they're like okay all the information's out you guys and it's like well we think you might have done this did you do this like no we we never did and that turns out the reporters weren't done find out that they actually did and just lied about again and then they think like oh okay it's all out now we can lie about these other little things nobody will find out these other and it just kept happening and happening and happening and then at the end like they're all just so defeated the, the commissioner of baseball is like, yeah, they could have just brushed this under the rug. Now I'm stuck here. <sighs> I don't know. It's just all a mess. All these sports you know, and cheating, man. They they go together yeah. like peanut butter and jelly. Not yeah. not necessary. Or maybe I should say a bad combination because peanut butter and jelly rules. <laughs> yeah, no, that is kind of great. <laughs> like uh, almond butter and... <laughs> have you ever seen uh, the movie the Big seeds. Daddy? He's like, like peanut butter and tuna fish or something like that. And everybody no. gives him a dirty look and he's like, what? what? Peanut uh, butter and jelly? I had that peanut butter burger. That's like my go-to at the Dark Horse now. It's like a cheeseburger with peanut butter and bacon on it. Sounded weird. RK says it's great. I got it. It was incredible. 
And it's now it's good. just like every time it's, it's so good. Like as soon as you stop thinking like, Oh, this is peanut butter. Like why is there peanut butter on this? And, and just sit there and just like eat it. Like you would a normal food. You're like, huh? All these flavors mesh well, well together. I, I like all of those things. So mm-hmm. it's not shocking to me. I'm, I'm gonna have to try it. Yeah. Is it a creamy or a crunchy peanut butter though? I'm, I'm always crunchy. Any situation, give me crunchy peanut butter. I can't remember what's on it, but I can tell you that it should be crunchy. Okay. I like both. I mean, I'm, okay. I just like peanut butter. I like, I, I think I, my thing is I like peanuts better than I like peanut butter. And mm. so if you can put the actual there nuts in there, go with like the extra crunchy, then it's my favorite part. Plus also the peanut butter. Oh my goodness. I want to be at a baseball park right now. <laughs> I'd be three bags of peanuts deep. I would be, be able to walk. Would be three bags of peanuts and like 14 Breck brews deep. Probably at least 14. Yeah. Speaking of Breck brews, if you guys need some, jump on that 12 can sampler. Um, they'll deliver it to you. I think you might need to order food to get it delivered. I don't know. Um, but I know that whether you have to or not, you should because the food is really good. Um, if you use the code DNVR, you can get $5 off your order. Um, you can call them and order. They go through most of downtown Denver. Um, they deliver to me, for example. So they've like expanded that radius because so many people are looking for delivery. And their food is really good. They have specials every day. Um, it's not like typical bar food, like brewery food. It's actually like... Like they have real chefs making real good stuff in there. Um, it's where I learned, oh, what's that called? Charcuterie. That's where I learned the word charcuterie. charcuterie where Henry yeah. learned about fancier selections. It is fancier than cheeses sliced more thinly. And it is incredible. They're great partners of ours. My mic cut out again. They're just, just, it's good stuff. So be eating it and be drinking it, um, especially when you have the free time and you're not spending your money on anything else. Get yourself just a massive dinner and gorge yourself. That's what I do. That's what I've done. Exactly. Just eat it like, just take in like 1,200 calories at seven and then you're good till like 2 p.m. the next day. Exactly what I do. Exactly what I do. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, my metabolism is going to be so screwed up by the time we come out of this, man. Like my, my sleep schedule is just awful. That too. I mean, I swear I'm like, I'm kind of sleeping like a dog right now where it's literally like, I kind of like, I'll sleep for like three hours and I'll get up and work and then I'm like, all yeah. right, I'll take another nap for two hours and I get up and work. But yeah, all that ends up happening is I'm usually awake at like three in the morning now. I have been awake at every time in the last week. Every time. 5 a.m., 5 p.m., 2 a.m., 7 a.m., like all in different ways. Sometimes 5 a.m. is the morning. Sometimes it's nighttime. It's weird. Social distancing, man. It's it's tough on the psyche a little bit, but we're doing what we can because, well, we want sports back, people. That's, to be honest, that's that's all I'm thinking about every day, how much I miss sports, how much I want to be hanging out with my friends and colleagues talking about sports. But I have to ask you this somewhat dark question a reality that i don't even really want to think about henry are you worried that we are not going to have a college football season um that's a good question i'm not worried um mostly because i think it's just too early for me to be worried like i definitely think it's totally on the table i do think that that is one of the possibilities but am i worried about it 
I'm not going to worry about that until like June. In June, July, that's when I'm going to start to be like, okay, this is, we haven't heard anything. This is scary. That's kind of the stance I've been trying to take as well. Like on the Rams pod, I've been, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be pessimistic until I absolutely have to be. Now, I will say everything that's coming out, definitely worrisome. Some of the people that are kind of hinting that they don't think college football is going to happen, it makes me nervous when, you know, guys like Herb Street and, and some of these big-time reporters are saying it because I don't think they're putting things out there without, you know, talking to people at universities, talking yep. to higher-ups. So these are clearly things that are being discussed, you know, behind the scenes. But just a world without college football, I just, it would be so devastating. I mean, really just no sports in general, it would mm-hmm. be so devastating with everything that's going on. I mean, at this point, like, that's what I'm looking forward to. Like, that's what's keeping me sane yeah. through this is I keep thinking like, we're going to have college football. I just, I got to keep pushing through. It'll be here. And if that gets taken away, man, it, it really might break some people. And I'm not even trying to be like dramatic, but like, yeah. that's kind of how I feel. Like if we don't have football this fall, that really might make who am snap. I as a person if there are what do no I do? sports like like I I don't have hobbies like I don't like, either like no I don't I don't watch much TV I don't really watch movies I just watch sports and I watch people talk about sports um, and I don't know it's it just it it's kind of scary I'm not to the point where I'm really it's not in my mind yet though it's not a thought that I come back to I still feel feel pretty confident that at least in some capacity by football season we'll be having sports back um will there be fans there's a question um what's going to happen with baseball because baseball's already going to be missing so much time I see that that's that's what's really getting me at this point I'm not too worried about football although I am kind of worried about whether there'll be fans whether there'll be fans will definitely be interesting at this point i'd probably lean towards no um which would be so weird like i can't even think about i mean especially like an sec game or something you know alabama and and auburn which would normally have you know eighty five thousand people like it would it would just Mm -hmm. be such a disappointment from an energy standpoint but also like if if we can have football with no fans, but it's on TV, I'll take it. Give yeah. it to me. Well, I'll consume spe- all of it. Especially because me and you would be still at a stadium every weekend. But even it's like as a fan, there. like yeah. I just I would hope, like we, I would hope that we would be considered essential enough. I think yeah. you would have to if you didn't let fans in, point. because then like storytelling and journalism would be even more important than ever. But yep. Yep. It's it's so weird. I just Henry and I, it seems like we're trying to stay positive. That seems to be the theme here. Mm-hmm. Um that's all also, that's all you can do. Anti NCAA, it turns out. But uh, <laughs> that's like the world though. Like who is standing the NCAA at this point? Exactly. Like who's like, yeah, they they make it they're they're good people. They they really are just here for the student athletes. And like again, deep down, college sports succeeding is what's most important for everyone involved. Could they have managed to just help out the student athletes a little bit more and still succeed and kept everybody's jobs and all that stuff? I think so. But back to this point, I don't know. It's, it's just not having a timeline that's so difficult. That's, that's what's putting people in such a tough position. You know, talking to Carl Durrell, the Buffs head coach about this, um, he, he was asked if, if he's worried or whether he thinks there's going to be a season. And he said, you know what? 
we have a bunch of timelines in place. We we have we have plans for if uh, if we can resume spring practices this semester. We have a plan for if we have to move those to June. We have a plan for an extended fall camp in July or starting in July, if that's what it means, if that's when we can get those practices. Um, and you know what? The truth is, if there's no football season, then there's really nothing to prepare for. So we might as well prepare for there being a football season and not worry too much. And that's kind of was his main point. I think that's a rational way to put it. Steve Adazio at CSU definitely seemed to be not panicking. I mean, he even talked about how if, you know, operating under the assumption that we get college football back this fall, it, it might not be the worst thing if teams have to simplify some things, especially just because, you know, with, with the way college football is now, it's a little bit excessive just with the secrecy and the practices, some of the stuff they're looking at it, it, it's not rocket science. Like at the end of the day, it's just football. And that's kind of the point he was trying to make is they'll, they'll figure it out. Like they don't necessarily, yes, it would be nice to have all of these extra practices, but like as long as they get some type of training camp, they'll be able to make it work. Adazio did make kind of a funny joke about Herb Street though. He, he does not like people bringing up that there might not be a football season not because he's like ignorant or is like trying to act like football is more important than other things, but it was kind of going back to the point you said is we just don't know yet. So what is the point of, you know, being like, it's not going to happen. Look at everything that's happening around us. The sky is falling. We just, we don't know yet. And there, there's no way of knowing, like, it's not something you can really figure out. It just really is a wait and see what happens. Does all this work? And then like, not even the doctors up at the very top who are in charge of things are up there saying, well, there's going to be no football. We're just not letting that out. It's literally all speculation on everybody's part. Um, and that's really why it's not beneficial. But you know, if, if, if things are changed, you know, if, if, I've I've heard people say there could be like a split season. You you start in November and play. That would like, get so complicated. It though. would. You play like half starting then, and then you start up again in February, and then you get into bowl season in. But like, what about like, guys that graduate early? Oh yeah. Like the draft process. Like if you're like a Warren Jackson, for instance, who mm-hmm. decided that he he's going to come back to CSU for his senior season, could have gone pro, he would have got drafted. I don't know about how early, especially in a really deep wide receiver class, but he would have been drafted. Now he's coming back. If it's a situation where he has to play, like he has to come back for the spring semester to finish the season or go focus on being pro, probably going to focus on being pro. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then also, you know, looking at the buff situation in particular, um, say, say the rule is we can start things up in September. Um, so that means all of fall camp, if you keep the same schedules canceled and you start up with week one of the season, um, well, you're going to need some sort of practice before that. And so if they decide, you know what, we'll, we'll start the season, um, two weeks late, we'll push everything back two weeks. We'll use those two weeks for camp. So everybody gets something. Well, the buffs, they had a late fall or spring camp. So they didn't even get one spring practice with a new head coach with a true freshman quarterback. And now you're saying they, they have this shortened fall camp only two weeks before they jump into the season. That would be a catastrophe. Nobody would know anything that they're doing on that football field. They would be so lost. Nobody would know the schemes. Nobody would know the calls. It would just be like every, like, I guess we're going man. 
Like, <laughs> let's yeah, just take you gotta, you have of- to have some type of multi-week training camp, fall camp, whatever you want to call it. I just, I, you know, if that gets pushed back into late August, September, then you're looking at maybe starting the season in like October. Are you trying to push all 12 games back? I don't know, logistically, if that's even possible with the way that they scheduled these games. If you just cancel them outright, that's a huge financial hit, especially like if you're a school like CSU has two non-conference games against Pac-12 opponents and a Mm. non-conference game against the SEC opponent. They're going to make more from those three games than they're going to make from their TV money for the Mountain West. Like, yep. It's it's just weird times, man. Unprecedented all around. Well, when you look at the budget sheets for a bunch of these teams, you know, Colorado being an example, they make a lot of money on football. They make some money on basketball. They lose money on everything else. If you lose football, then you just can't pay for the rest of it. Oh, totally. It's, I mean, it's football and people don't, it's kind of a, a delicate conversation to have just with title nine and everything, but literally logistically without football, some of these sports, they just aren't going to happen. There's, there's just so many resources and they're not going to go to those non-revenue generating sports. And just like taking kind of random numbers, but you know, there's 50,000 people at Folsom. If uh, you're, you're making 40 bucks a piece off of all of them, that's $2 million for each game. And so if you, if you lose the fans for all of them, that's huge. If you lose a couple of them, that's pretty big. And sure, there's stuff like, you know, you have to pay the security workers. You have to pay the concessions um, workers. I mean, I guess you're also bringing in money on concessions, which you have to factor in. But, but even if there isn't a $2 million profit per game, if there's a $500,000 profit and $1.5 million going into workers' hands in boulders, in, in Boulder, like that's such a huge loss for everybody up there. Um, then you start talking about the TV money. Um, then you talk about the merch sales that'll drop because of that. And there's just so many, so many streams of revenue that you're losing if you lose any of football season. That's what makes me think they might, you know, what, even if it got wonky, even if it got complicated, that's what makes me think they will find some way somehow to play some type of a football season. Yeah. Like we talked about, who knows, maybe it's a split season. Maybe it gets pushed back. Maybe you shorten the season. I don't know what it would look like, but just outright canceling it altogether. It just, it doesn't seem super likely to me. I'm not, you know, I don't pretend to be a scientist or a guy who, you know, understands what the hell is happening with this coronavirus situation. All I know is I wash my hands a lot. I mean, I always have, but I know my hands are literally falling apart. Like, I don't know if you can see that. Look pretty gross. But uh, it's just weird, man. And I, I think the most unsettling part of it all is, like you said, just not having that timeline, just not knowing. Like, who knows? Like, maybe they come up with something that, like, helps reduce the symptoms or like, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm trying not to panic too soon. Yeah. And again, it does seem like everything's going to be fine. I mean, you, you look at, if are we young and naive? I don't know. I don't know. But if you look at the peak happening in April and you expect just like a normal distribution, then that would mean that if you, if you count things in January where there's just a few cases, that's, three months to get up to the peak month and then three months after would be 
May, June, July. Maybe we aren't even locked inside. I mean, I guess we aren't locked inside for most of that as things are really tailing off. But if that's kind of the curve we're on, that's good. I mean, Colorado's kind of projecting their peak in June, um, which would obviously extend things, I guess, into September. But again, I don't think you're locked inside for all of it. And I think you can have some things come back, even if that means sports with no fans. I mean, I'm, I, if, if I were setting the odds, I would say that the favorite is that there is football and there are fans for this whole season. All right. I like it. I like the positivity. At this point, I'm still probably leaning towards football, no fans, at least at the beginning, maybe they get them in at the end. Um, But like I said, like, even if that's the situation, I will take it. I will gladly take it. Just give us sports back in some capacity just for the general morale of things, man, like just some form of normalcy. And I, and I, this is serious. Like I'm not one of those guys that's like, get outside now. Like we have to do this. Like it's our right to go do. Mm -hmm. I don't give a crap about any of that. I just want football. I hate life without it. That's all I know. Yep. I can only get by on Madden for so long. I need real football. That's what I mean. I'm already two seasons into NCAA football. I mean, I've got definitely like 15 to 20 in me for sure. Mm -hmm. Especially if I'm (laughs) not going anywhere over these next months. Oh God. But like after four or five, like there's only so much video games, only so much Netflix you can watch. And just to me, it's just the, the psyche of everything. Like as hard as this whole situation is like, if we get no sports until 2021, it would just be devastating. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. I'd be so bored. Uh, I'm already bored. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm already bored. I, uh, I just want this to end. You're bored enough that you decided to shave your legs. So that's how bored you are. Oh, I mean, I'm most, it was more of a trim, a very tight trim. Um, I don't want I I will say, put the wrong image out there. Also, here's a weird thing, and maybe this is just me, but I always have bruises on my shins, and I don't know what I do. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm running into things. I'm not sure if there's a medical reason for this, but as I'm looking at my leg, again, just a random bruise on my shin. But yeah, the leg hair's come back, and I think, I think actually at this point, it's at the length I had anticipated when I manscaped it the first time. So uh, if you guys don't know what Manscaped is, uh, it's a company that sells trimmers and lotions and all sorts of things to make sure that your body hair as a man is in the perfect condition. Um, Well, they do their part. It's up to you to decide to not shave your legs. But uh, you should definitely be checking them out because there are very few things you can do in terms of hobbies right now. But one of them is making sure that all of your body hair is in the best possible shape it can be. So when you get out and all of these people, like, to be honest, I have not, I have not seen the face of a woman in real life in probably two weeks now. In two weeks now. And again, this is all Dude, going to At least to end. 10 days. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm trying to think. Like, that was probably that last trip to the grocery store. I've had a couple mail delivery drivers. And those are the only other human interactions I've had. So, so yeah, the point is you're going to want to keep yourself in pristine shape and it's going to be tough to keep like your muscles and your body in that kind of shape. 
one thing you can control and get really good at is Manscaping. And if you use the code DNVR20, you can get 20% off and free shipping from Manscaped. Get the lawnmower 3.0. It'll cut through any hair that you ask it to cut through. You just have to pick the right ones. It really is pretty clutch. Like, I didn't get quite as creative as Henry did. I didn't explore things, but I, I was impressed. The lawnmower got a nice little LED light on there. Helps you Love see that. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's a dangerous game trimming down there sometimes, or at least it used to be. Manscaped is making it much safer. We yep. love them. And again, like I, I never really had problems with like actual like damage, but I was always worried. And that stress is not good for you. And now that I just don't even have to worry, I love it. <laughs> Before you're like holding your breath. Uh, this is an it's image like, oh, that people did not... Well. We were really going on about shaving balls here. I was terrified. Um, I was terrified. We are going to wrap today's podcast up. This was just kind of a fun way to get things started. A little lively banter between us, but... We are going to wrap things up with just kind of our way too early top five. Now, we were going to do more than that, but I'm going to be honest, that just takes more preparation than we were willing to put. (laughs) So last minute. And so because of that, I'm going to start with my number one team. My preseason number one team is not LSU, even though they just won the national championship. My number one team is going to be Ohio State. And that is just because... They were so explosive. I know they're going to lose some talent on both sides of the football, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to be hard to replace. But they're one of—I mean, they're like Alabama, Georgia, one of those schools, Clemson, that just seems to always produce talent. And it, it kind of felt like they were just a game or two away from from really breaking out. I mean, I felt like they were the best team in college football at points yep. last year. Yep. And I, I just—I'll be shocked if they don't build off of that going into next season. That makes sense. Um, I have Ohio State number two. Um, I put Clemson number one. I have Clemson too. So we're we're on the we're on the same. Yeah, makes sense. And and my thing with Clemson is you know it's the same thing. You get your veteran quarterback back. Um, you do lose some talent, but in a lot of ways this team really is running things back. I think there's been more turnover. And you you think of what they did uh, between the 2018 and 2019 seasons with all of those guys leaving for the draft. Um, First, Colin Farrell, they had that whole defensive line that was Mm -hmm. just stacked. They replaced it all. This year, there's a little bit more consistency. Um, You know, you you lose T. Higgins. uh, I guess you have ETN coming back though so so that you're fine um and that really is the edge over ohio state for me just because you know ohio state loses chase young and i'm sure they're going to have somebody who can come back and they're going to have guys who improve on that defensive line they lose devon hamilton on that defensive line uh they lose a third defensive lineman as well um you know and and i think that you are really nitpicking to pick clemson or ohio state i just think that ohio state has a couple more guys a little bit more re- production that needs to be replaced that's a fair point and you know there's always something to be said about an experienced quarterback like and lawrence at this point is in a conversation of his own because the dude's yep. played in multiple playoffs like there isn't like i'm not sure there is a senior quarterback of the last decade that had more valuable experience than Trevor Lawrence has already had going. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've known for two years that this dude is an NFL quarterback. And at this point, it's kind of just like, as a college football fan, I enjoy watching it, but we're all just kind of waiting for him to be a top five pick in the NFL. 
can't can't argue against him or Dabo, so that's not shocking to me. But I just love that Ohio State explosiveness, you know. Yep. And I think there's you're gonna get a little bit of love given that the Big Ten I think was probably the strongest strongest or second strongest conference in football last year, depending on how you looked at it. And, you know, they're that blue blood treatment. But at this point, I guess, you know, Dabo and Clemson are kind of in that conversation too. It's, it's really impressive to see what Clemson has been able to turn into in the last decade or so. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've become one of those dynasties, which is just pretty crazy. I mean, if if you had said again, like 10 years ago, that this is what Clemson would be. This is what we expect of Clemson. Not at all what I would have anticipated, obviously. And I'll be curious to see, like, who's the next Clemson? Who's the next school to kind of take that next, you know, big step? A a program that obviously you have to have resources. You got to be, you know, in the Big 12 or the SEC or the ACC or something. You got to at least have those P5 resources. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to do it. You know, maybe it's... Texas Tech or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. That was literally just a completely random guess. But I think, I, didn't. I think you're going to see more of the really good blue bud programs kind of reemerge. You know, like USC, for example. Like, I think at some point, and I don't think necessarily it's under Clay Helton, but by 2030, USC is back to being like one of the elite college football schools year in, year out. Um, same thing with like uh, a Texas. I was going to say, I, at what I, point does Texas come back? Like, they just have to find the right guy, and they get. They their still pick make more money than that. any other college program in the country. Yep, and they've and, done. They've been irrelevant for, largely for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. And you know, Florida. You know, Florida's, Florida's one. a good it's one. Like, it's how been, is Florida it's been a while? Now? Maybe Miami could make some. Michigan, sort of run. I think that's a little less likely. I know Michigan glued to Harbaugh. You, you've seen Ohio State do what Michigan should be able to do. I don't know. I I, th- I think that more than you see another Clemson come out of nowhere, you're going to see like the reemergence of some more traditional powerhouses. That's a fair point, especially with the way that the the playoff, you know, kind of already favors those yep. schools with the history as is. But um, keeping things moving here, my number three team, I've got Alabama at number three. They've got a lot of talent to replace that wide receiver, but they really return you know, like I think it's nine starters on offense. I think back. they return more talented receiver than they lose. How Which crazy is, is saying that? something? Yeah, I think I it's, eh? look out for Bam. I'm not sold on Mac Jones yet. Mac Jones Agreed. is a fine quarterback. He's a capable starter, especially given all the talent that's around him. He's not going to make bad decisions. He can run the offense. He did fine, but he's also he's not Tua. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not that guy that's going to lead you down the field in 90 seconds on the game-winning drive. That's what worries me most about Alabama is can Mac Jones take it to the next level? And I'm not necessarily sure that it's Mac Jones who does play quarterback. And that's a good point, too. It might not even be him. Because, again, I I didn't watch a whole lot of Alabama. I I mean, I saw, like, a few games because they were the games that you watch. But that's how college Mm -hmm. football kind of works is that every week there's, like, four games you want to watch and there's, like, a 100 and whatever that you don't really care all that much about Um, until you get into, like, I watch all the Pac-12 games, too. I'm interested in the Pac-12. So it does kind of expand. But but when Alabama was good, I was like, yeah, Mac Jones. But I heard a lot more about him, about him being, like, a good quarterback. He's going to be next up. And then going back and watching all the draft film for Jerry Judy, for Henry Ruggs, 
I don't know. I mean, he's like, just meh. Like, exactly. Like, you you go and you watch, you know, Denzel Mims. I was really impressed with Charlie Brewer, the quarterback at Baylor. I was surprised mm-hmm. he wasn't getting more attention. And you watch all these different guys. You watch Mac Jones. You're like, he's nothing special. Meanwhile, they're bringing in the five star Bryce Young. Maybe you go with the young guy because you know. I I, I will say no. Saban historically from what I can, you know, I'm just kind of thinking back over the years. He doesn't tend to love those young QBs, like giving them the reins early. That's never really, I mean, we saw it with Tua a little bit, but even he, you know, he had to steal it from Jalen. It wasn't like, and they knew going into that season, like they knew Tua was a better thrower of the football than Jalen. They knew all of that, but it just came down to trust and Jalen had his trust. Yep. And and I really like a lot of the talent at Alabama. Um, I think that, I mean, you just expect them to be right up there at the very top. And again, the difference between uh, Ohio State and Alabama to me is the quarterback. If, if, if Alabama was bringing back Tua, I think they would be in that conversation for number one. Um, if, they, if they were bringing back even, uh, say like a Jalen Hurts, just say in some world Jalen Hurts is coming back for another year at Alabama, then yeah, they're right up there at the top, even if it isn't a true, truly elite talent. Well, and Jalen was a winner. Like, yeah, think about, and I'm not, I'm not calling Mac Jones a loser, but even though you knew that Jalen couldn't make some of those touch throws as like a guy that, you know, kind of cheers for Alabama, there was never any point where I ever felt like out of it because Jalen was the quarterback one, because he's a freak athlete and could make plays and improvise mm-hmm. and all that. But the dude was just a winner. Like some guys just have that mindset. And God, man, I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. I, I'll be I curious know. to see I'm if it works out on him again. I, the, the, I was really high on him at the beginning of the season, kind of tapered off, and now just in the last like three weeks or so, I'm starting to be like, ah, that Jalen Hurts. He's he's he might be worth a chance in the second round. That's what I was gonna say, man. Especially like late second round, early third round. Why not take a flyer on him? What do you have to lose? I, like, I mean, you look through the quarterbacks. Best case, he's like the next Kyler Murray, or I'm not going to, you know, compare him to Russell Wilson because I think Russell Wilson's a significantly better thrower of the football. But, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? We'll just yeah. have to see how it plays out. I mean, you look at the guy like Jake Fromm, Jake, Jacob Eason. I mean, I, I'm easily putting Jalen Hurts ahead of Eason. And oh, for sure. Eason's one of those guys like, yeah, he throws a nice ball, but like, I, yep. Yep. And there's you, you got to have, you got to have the right guys around him. I don't, I'm not sure he has it up top. I just, he does not. Um, <laughs> Who's your number four team? We'll move on so we don't. Is LSU uh, defending national champs. I think that, I, again, they have to replace their quarterback. They bring back a whole bunch of talent. Jamar Chase is incredible. Um, he's going to break whatever he needs to break. Um, and I think that if they get the quarterback position figured out, then they should be right back. Maybe not exactly what they were this year, but I think they could be. I think they're worth I being number fair. four. I mean, yeah. it's not like... It's not going to be a situation where all of a sudden LSU goes like 500. You know, for me, even more than the talent, it's the loss of Joe Brady. How does it impact that offense? Because from everything that I've been able to gather, and I don't claim to be an LSU expert, but I watch a lot of SEC football, and I read a lot about the SEC. 
and everything that I'm gathering, Joe Brady was what made that offense tick. As good as Burrow is, and I think he's going to be great, they lost a brilliant offensive mastermind. And that matters when you're going against elite defenses like Alabama, like Georgia, like Florida on a weekly basis. Because even if you win eight, nine games, you know, that's, that's just not enough in SEC. I kind of see LSU more around that, like maybe nine, 10 win range next year. Like, I think they're going to be really solid. I think they're going to be firmly in the top 20, probably the top 10, top 15, but I'm not sure they're going to be like that top five team again. Yep. Uh, I think that's a lot of good points. And I think that again, it's so early to be doing this. It's that, yeah, it's we're literally just throwing shit at the dartboard exactly. right now. But like, like it's it's going to be pretty crazy to see which teams actually wind up in the top. Five. Like nobody would would have expected LSU to be top five going into last season. You know, they oh, not, not at all. That was the craziest thing. Is like Joe Burrow was considered a good quarterback, an NFL prospect, but like by most accounts, I think he was supposed to be like a fourth, fifth round kind of guy. And guess what? We wouldn't have gotten to see him if it weren't for all of the transferring. You know, all, all and, and that's back. what people it forget. All comes like, back around. Do you really want to have talented players feeling like they can't play at the top schools? And like, sure, it, it sucks for them. And that's probably what's most important is that they don't like Joe Burrow doesn't get to prove that he's worthy of the number one pick. But also, we don't get to see that LSU team that was potentially the best ever. There, there's so many of those stories, and the old people who talk about the transfer rules are saying like, "Oh, you have to." go through adversity you know it's good it's healthy and all that stuff but yeah but don't make kids go through adversity just for the sake of adversity and don't manufacture like, adversity don't yeah if you can make things easier it. like trust me something bad will happen to joe burrow in his life that's how life works he doesn't need you to say actually you don't get to play football because you decided at 18 that you thought this quarterback was less likely to beat you out than that quarterback like it's so dumb i agree man i do like the only the only argument against it that I somewhat sympathize with is that it's just people that are worried that it'll negatively impact college football and they yep. love college football. So I don't want to see college football negatively impacted. I, I don't know that this would do that. You know, yep. I really don't. I think it would probably hurt some of the lower programs a little bit more than it would hurt the bigger programs. But I also think it's kind of cyclical and you see pretty frequently, you know, guys go from mid-major or from... G5 or good Lord, I'm getting tied up here <laughs> from power five schools to G5 schools all the time. So I'm sure it would come full circle, but yeah, at four, I got Penn state, which they're, they're one of those teams. I'm not sure I love anything about Penn state, but I like everything. If that makes sense, they're going to return yeah. a lot of starters on offense and defense. I think it's like nine on offense, eight on defense, something like that. They were really competitive I'm still not sold on Penn State as being like the elite Big Ten team, but I think at this point they've kind of earned that right to to be in the top five or six. Yeah, yeah, I see that for sure. Um, I've got Oklahoma there, betting like on Lincoln Riley. Um, that's why I got it five. Oh, okay. Yep. That, I like, oh, I guess that's, that's surprising. My five. That's my five. <laughs> I thought Oklahoma would be like my surprise one that catches you off guard. That's a little disappointing to me. Yeah. That's okay. I I mean they just they were able to plug uh 
Jalen Hurts in. They're able to plug it. Like, even though they've had good quarterbacks, I trust them to find another good quarterback. And that scheme is going to make any quarterback look better than he should. Um, they they still have a bunch of talent. Um, I. I, if Lincoln I, Riley and the Big Twelve still doesn't play defense, so as long as that happens, I'm pretty confident exactly. in the Sooners. Like, and they are going to put up 40 points a game. This is just what they do. What it doesn't they matter. Do. They put in a new quarterback, new running back, new receiver. It doesn't matter. Lincoln Riley gonna put up some points. God, I'm excited for college football. Me too. Me too. I just, I just need that back. It's so. It's so much fun, and then NFL football too. I'm I'm excited to see the Broncos. I'm really excited because you know the draft podcast. We've been talking about all these prospects. I want to see, you know, what they look like in the NFL. Whether I was right um, is a big part of it. Um, I, I think you know even teams <laughs> like the Chargers, which like you know I grew up a Broncos fan. I'm not a big Chargers fan. That could be such a fun team to watch too. You know, you get, I mean, all you put a quarterback in there and all of a sudden it's like, what, yep. you know, they're, they uh, could have, they should have been, I don't know about like a Super Bowl contender, but they should have been a playoff like contender last year, a legitimate threat in the AFC. Yep. Yep. I just, I don't know. I, I just need sports. I want college football back. I want pro football back. I want to see some hockey. I want to see those playoffs. I want baseball season. I want to be at the park right now. It's, uh, we like sports to wait. and we don't care who knows. I do know that as soon as this is all over, I'm going to be spending so much time like at baseball games, at football games, at concerts. I'm not going to miss one more thing. I'm not going to spend a second that I don't have to in this apartment once this is all over. Oh, straight up. I'm, I'm super stoked to go to live music events again, especially now that we have in we go speaking of in we go, it's tight. Check it out. Not yep. even a real read. Just bumping that real quick. <laughs> We're company men. We do what we got to do. We do. And in we go again. It is. They were my presenting sponsor. I haven't talked about them in a while, but as soon as this is over and they have, I mean, they have most Rockies games, they have most abs games, most nuggets games. They have, they had every buffs game, football and basketball, like all those concerts. That's just going to be my lifesaver when this is over. Man, it's like, I kind of feel like a kid right now, like sitting around the fireplace and it's like your grandpa telling you a story and it's like, Tell me about the good old days. Uh, Remember, we could leave our apartments and <laughs> go to football games. And it is going to be crazy to like, like, what is this whole thing going to be called? Like when we're both 70 and people are like, oh, remember the of 2020? <laughs> like, like there's going to be like a name for all of this. Hopefully it isn't uh, like rivaling like the Great Depression or anything. All I know is I hope they look back and they say we did the right things and it's not like a bunch of TikTok kids licking toilet seats and oh crap like that. TikTok. We don't need to get into TikTok today. <laughs> we'll save that for I have some thoughts. <laughs> uh, but as you can tell, we are obviously out of structured content. So we're going to wrap it up today. Thank you to everybody that listened. Uh, we are going to do this once a week, I think is the plan. Maybe more than once a week if we end up getting bored. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have anybody else to talk to right now. So who cares? <laughs> exactly. Time isn't real. It's a flat circle. We are all Matthew McConaughey. Smashing oh, finally. A That's all I've ever wanted. 
<laughs> the only good thing to come out of the coronavirus. We are all Matthew McConaughey now. 